Welcome to the Life on Repeat podcast with me, Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and dementia coach. I'm so happy that you found us. Hey, folks. I wanted to get on today and talk a little bit about what is normal forgetfulness. So this question comes up a lot for folks. Usually it's family members or even professional caregivers that are working with people who are living with dementia. And there can often be a concern or a fear that I'm forgetting something or I'm not able to hold my thoughts in my head. I'm worried that I might be getting dementia because it runs in the family or I have these worries about memory impairment. And so it's just really helpful to talk about what is normal and what isn't. When should you be concerned and when should you not be concerned? Because one of the things that many people don't realize is that it actually can be very normal to have some forgetfulness especially if you are in a period of high stress or if you're experiencing anxiety or you're experiencing depression. So let's talk a little bit about that. Now, the first thing to know, the most important thing, and I say this so much because I think that the messages we put into our mind really seep into our bodies and then we manifest those messages. So The first important thing that I would say is that memory impairment is not a part of the normal aging process. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. Memory impairment is not part of the normal aging process. So just because somebody is getting older does not mean that they are going to have a memory that's impaired or they're going to have memory problems. So how many times have I heard somebody that has come from a doctor's appointment and they leave the appointment and the doctor has said, oh, you're just getting older. This is part of the normal aging process, but that is not true. All right. So if you're having forgetfulness, that's again, very different. People of all ages and all circumstances and situations will have forgetfulness. But what isn't normal is memory impairment at any age. So the other thing that I think is really neat to keep in mind is that our brain cells have the capacity to produce throughout life. So this is fascinating. I I am not a scientist. I, I feel like I have a science mind at heart, but I don't have the brain capacity. But I am constantly, constantly loving to learn and research about all of the cutting edge science that's coming out around the the abilities of our brain, essentially. And so it's really cool to to know that no matter what, what age we are, that or even what impairments we have, that our brain does have the capacity to produce new cells throughout our lives. Now, of course, there are situations and circumstances such as certain diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease, or certain brain injuries, like traumatic brain injuries, in which that is not possible. I'm saying that hesitantly, because there's all kinds of new science coming out. And I hope that in the next few years, 
I'll have to go back and delete that comment. <laughs> but overall, our brain cells do have the capacity to produce throughout life. So concerns arise when we're not operating on our level of normal. And I say that because everybody has kind of our own our own baseline, right? Of how our memory or brain has been working. Now, we could certainly argue that some folks may not be operating on their optimal potential if they're not getting the right um, nutrition in their body or the right amount of sleep or they're under immense amounts of stress. They may not be operating from their op optimal state. And then there are others who, who have just gone through life. Maybe that is the baseline. Maybe that is our norm. I have a, a story to share just as an example. I was working with a gentleman when, when I was working in a dementia unit of a skilled nursing facility. And this gentleman, he worked, oh gosh, he worked for all kinds. This, this guy had an amazing brain. Let me just tell you that. He worked for NASA. He was a part of building some really amazing technology during World War II. This man was brilliant. And his family didn't catch that he had dementia for many, many years because his level of normal was so high <laughs> compared to myself or, you know, many people I know who were, you know, many notches below him. But by the time he hit, quote, the level that the rest of us were at, he had really declined a lot, even though he was still passing all the tests and, you know, was able to score high on any of the memory assessments. He had dropped significantly. And so by the time he was really showing significant signs of dementia, he had really progressed um, significantly. And so I, I just use that as an example, because for some of us, I think that it wouldn't take much for, and, and I'm using myself as an example here, you know, if I had was developing some memory problems, it, it would likely show up. I wouldn't be able to cover it for very long. But then there are others who have these real superior intelligence that by the time that they are really showing signs of memory impairment, they have really declined significantly. So this idea that I guess I just want to highlight that everybody has their own quote normal level or baseline level. So paying attention to that. Now I'm going to kind of run through a little list that I hope will be helpful to you. And I'm going to talk about the differences between this kind of quote normal aging or normal forgetfulness and what is not normal. So areas that we might pay attention to, or we might be concerned of. So in the area of memory loss in general, it's very normal for anybody at any age to temporarily forget names, names of people, names of places where you may have left something like the key, your keys. That's kind of the common example where you left your keys or where you put down your phone or I know this morning I was running around trying to find my shoes, had no idea where I had left them because I put them in a different place than I was used to putting them. So that's normal when it comes to memory. Where you might be concerned is when you start having difficulty remembering familiar names. 
familiar places or more recent or important events. So things like the fact that you were just at your son or daughter's birthday party a few days ago, or important events like the fact that you may have just had a doctor appointment or things like that. So that's that's where we start to get have more concern. When we talk about disorientation, what's normal is when we may forget the day of the week or why you walked into a room. So how often have we done that? We go to write the date down and we can't remember what day it is or mix up the day of the week or you open the refrigerator to grab something and you forgot what you were going for. Maybe you're distracted <laughs> by the, the ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> what isn't normal with orientation is when you get lost in your own neighborhood or you forget where you are. It can be very scary to have that experience happen or you forget how to get home. That would not be normal. That would be an indicator. That would be something that you would want to look into for sure. So how about the area of mental tasking? So what's normal is making a mistake when you're balancing your checkbook. What isn't as normal is being unable to complete the tasks that are familiar to you such as balancing the checkbook or following a recipe. So it's again, it's one thing to make a mistake when you're going through those tasks yourself. You've done them before and, oh, you, you misadded something or subtracted something or forgot the a piece of the recipe or you didn't measure it correctly. But again, what isn't normal is when you've made that bread your whole life and then suddenly you're struggling with that or you're balancing that checkbook, uh, like the example that we used, and you're really struggling in those areas. Another area is difficulty completing ADLs or activities of daily living. So activities of daily living include things like being able to bathe yourself and um, how much help you may need or go to the bathroom or dress yourself, things like that. Those are activities of daily living. And so what's normal is that sometimes you might need help with a device, whether that's a walker or a, you know, a shower bar or you know, using a tool to help you with that device to complete those ADL tasks. Sometimes people have those little tools that help you pull your shoes on or your socks on. You know, all of that is very normal. What isn't is when you might need help with things like brushing your teeth or getting dressed in the sense, again, we're not talking about your inability to lift your arm, you know, in a certain way. We're talking about confusion in how to put on a shirt or putting it on backwards, those sorts of things. We're using devices like a phone appropriately. When we talk about using words, it's very normal for people to occasionally struggle to find the right word. That happens to, to most of us. Where we start to get concerned is if you're having difficulty completing sentences or following directions or following conversations. 
that's when we start to get concerned and want to look into things a little more. And then when it comes to judgment, it's very normal for folks to sometimes make questionable or debatable decisions at times. That certainly, I think we've all been in that position where we maybe look back and <laughs> can see how we may have done something different or we could have said something different. Where it becomes a concern is when you are unsure. What I'm thinking of more in that area under judgment is thinking about like when you're giving money away excessively and family members are starting to get concerned or noticing that can be that, that judgment piece is an area that we would be looking at. And then the last area that I'll kind of touch on is changes in mood and personality. So it's really normal for folks to become irritable or um, have a change in mood and personality when we're tired or we have a lot of obligations or we're stressed out or, or even just when a routine is disrupted, you know, we're used to doing things a certain way and the routine, somebody distracts us and it throws us off where things start to get of concern is when uh, an individual starts to get suspicious about those things or blaming others excessively or maybe even the opposite, kind of withdrawing and showing disinterest in a certain area. So I thought that it would be helpful for you just to kind of run through those um, examples of what's normal, what isn't normal. So let's talk a little bit about prevention. What can we do to help keep our brains and our minds as healthy as possible? So one of the things that I'm sure you hear a lot about is exercise, right? Exercise, I like to call it movement. For me, exercise has a, a negative connotation. <laughs> Whenever I hear the word exercise, I start to feel guilty <laughs> because I know that I should be doing more than I am. But when I hear the word movement, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I move every day. And so do you, we all move every day. Movement is life, right? Life force. When you think of a body of water and you think of the water standing still and stagnant, you know, that doesn't invite life energy to it. And so when the water has movement, then there's flow, right? And so think of your body in that way, especially when we know that we're made up of mostly water, right? So how can we invite movement into our lives. So just take a moment and reflect on all the ways that you move your body every day, even without intention, whether you are brushing your hair or you're walking from, from one room to the next, or you're bending over to pick something up. All of that movement is important. And like I said, it, it's life force energy. So how can we how can we invite that movement into our lives more intentionally? How can we maybe take an extra lap around the house? Or how can we maybe, you know, while we're cooking in the kitchen, turn on some music and do a little, do a little dancing at the stove? All, all of those things. Even, even if you're sitting in a chair, the act of rocking the chair or stretching your arms can be helpful. So that's what I want to invite you to do is to rethink the idea of 
exercise and reframe it to movement and imagine all the beautiful ways that you can bring movement into your body. So another area of prevention or protection for your brain is going to be the idea of your diet or your nutrition that you're taking in. And so again, sometimes you hear the word diet and I know I get a little, you know, it feels restrictive. It doesn't, people, diets change all the time. What is the appropriate diet? There's all these different controversies about the Mediterranean diet or the paleo diet or, you know, all these different types of diets. So think about nutrition and sustenance. And again, going back to this sort of life force energy, what are you feeding your cells? What are you feeding your brain? What are you feeding your body? And paying attention to what your body really likes. And that can definitely shift things up for you. Think about those foods that are the nourishing to the brain. And I'm sure you've heard of the examples that they say that often foods that look like a brain are good for your brain, like walnuts and things like that. So I know that I have been really encouraged by my healthcare practitioners to increase my omega. So the fish oil and stuff, that's one area that I've been challenging myself to do a lot more of. And I've also been looking a lot into, I just started taking lion's mane mushrooms There's a ton of research about lion's mane out there that is really fascinating to me. And they're doing some research with dementia on the lion's mane as well. But you can get it in a powder form or pill capsules. I'm taking these little liquid drops and it really has virtually no taste. I just mix it with my favorite drink and um, it's super easy. So I'll let you know how that goes. (laughs) So another area for prevention and protecting your brain is having a sense of connection. And, you know, it's it's so interesting, but there have been so many studies. And I know that if you're listening to this, I, I think you could really relate that when people feel connected or they feel part of a community, they tend to live longer. They tend to be healthier. So we don't want to underestimate that power of the sense of connection. So in in all the areas, I've I've got these studies, I don't have them pulled up right now, I apologize, but there are these studies that have shown that no matter what ailment you are experiencing, what does no matter what disease you might have, if you are kind of across the board, they've done these studies that show that if you lack a sense of connection or community, that is going to increase your probability of dying sooner from those disorders or diseases. And those individuals with the exact same chronic illness or disease or disorder that do feel a sense of connection with others tend to live longer. So it's important. And I just really wanted to highlight that. Another area would be having a positive outlook. I do a ton of talks. I'm so passionate about changing the way we look at things, the power of our mind, the power of our thoughts, and how our neurons in our brain are constantly, you know, it's our, our brains are malleable. So we're always able to change the way that we experience life when we change our thoughts. And sometimes that can be an effort at first, because the, the way that our brains work is that we've fallen into a habit of thinking a certain way. 
And when we can break that habit, that's when and reintroduce a new line of thought, then we have potential to create a new habit in that positive form. So there's some fascinating studies out there about that as well. One of my favorite authors to read and, and follow is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He, he's written several books. One of them is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I love the title of that. What is another one? He wrote, You Are the Placebo. I love the title of that one too. All right. So another way that we can protect ourselves is this idea of building new synaptic connections. And really that's kind of what I, I was touching on before is that our brains really have the ability to rewire themselves. And so it may take a little bit of effort to do that, but over time, we definitely are able to change the way we think. And who said that? I think it was Dr. Wayne Dyer. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. It's one of my favorite quotes. All right. So that I hope was helpful to everyone. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave us a message. We have a new email. Our email address is hello at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. And if you have any ideas or areas that you'd like me to cover, I'd be more than happy to hop on, either find a speaker or specialist to talk to about it or do some research and hop on and share that with you. And I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have comments or would like to send us a message, you can send it to hello at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. Please also consider following us at Life on Repeat Podcast, either on Instagram or Facebook. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.